We got one objective and one goal. It's to play for a championship. That is open-ended, but it gives you a lot of flexibility things you do. You have an opportunity in this league. If you're playing for a championship, amazing things can happen. You just got to stay focused and know that's what it's come down to. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. me and the Madison crowd, we've really connected. Not that we weren't connecting before, but I feel like this week especially, we've really been in lockstep with each other. Our listeners on The Zone, our affiliate Madison, 1670 and what's your FM? 96.7? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same as KTY and lacrosse. Really been gelling with the Madison crowd this week. And part of it is, you know, Luke Fickle, a lot of Badgers news, been talking a lot of Badgers football, talking to a lot of diehard Badgers fans, which they live in Madison and they're calling. So I feel like we're really building something with Madison listeners this week that maybe we didn't have before. And that's really cool. I, before we begin the show, would like to throw one more item onto the pile for our Madison listeners. In case I I can build my case, build my clout anymore in the, the Dane County area. My Spotify wrapped yesterday, as with everyone else, as it came out. And I'm looking at my most listened to songs, looking at my most listened to artists, right? My number one song in 2022 was the song Brown Eyed Women by the Grateful Dead. And it is a live version off of one of the best Dick's Picks albums, Volume 18, recorded at, does anyone know? Does anyone know? Does anyone know? Bueller, anybody? The Dane County Coliseum. So not only do I talk Badgers now, not only am I a college football guy now, not only do we have Zach Heilprin back in the fold, not only do we talk to Ben Kenny, maybe we'll talk to Rob Reichel later this week. We'll talk Badgers with him too. Who knows? But I have curated my music listening, my my volume music listening, not just my niche listening, my, my number one listen to song in the year 2022 was recorded live in 1978 at the Dane. How about that? doesn't get any more Madison than that. If if I could get any more Madison, I'd have to sleep on Ebo's couch. Yeah! Let's go, Madison. Let's go. Now, the zone's also going to kick us off at 5 o'clock, coming up in 55 minutes for Kenny and Heilprin, but that's okay. No problem playing second fiddle in in Madison to those guys. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, A tip of the cap to our Madison crowd, and especially a lot of our Madison callers who brought a lot to our Badgers discussions this week. But lest we forget about our Eau Claire crowd, our lacrosse, lacrosse crowd, that's the OGs. They've been stuck listening to me since 2018, but really the Madison crowd this week. I love it. I love it. We're going to have two outstanding guests join us between now and 6 o'clock. At 4.30, Bart Winkler is going to be here. I really didn't, as of two days ago, I didn't have anything really specific that I wanted to talk about with Bart. I just said, it's been a while since we get Bart. Let's get Bart. And I texted him yesterday and said, what do you want to talk about? He said, I just want to crush LaFleur. I said, all right, I can do that. So I thought about it all night. I thought about it all morning. We're going to crush Matt LaFleur at 430. And I just have a gut feeling. And trust me, sometimes I have gut feelings. I have a gut feeling that this is going to be a fantastic conversation. There's something in the air with some listeners of this show, with some listeners of Bart. There's just something in the air of the Wisconsin sports talk space. I just think lightning is going to strike at 4.30. Bart's going to be here. At 5.30, our guy Mike Clements will be here. 
to give us the latest on the Packers. By the way, Justin Fields was a full participant in practice today, so pray for Joe Barry. He needs our prayers. We're going to get to Bart at 4.30, Mike Clemens at 5.30, and I can get to you anytime, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to interact with the show that way as well. Badgers lost to Wake Forest the other night. We talked about that. Right, One of those losses that just made me irrationally mad. I was having a great night on Tuesday night. Was that Monday? Tuesday? I think it was Tuesday, right? I was having a great time watching the Badgers, enjoying some college hoops until the game ended and the Badgers lost. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I was really mad. Last night's Bucks game would have been the same situation. Enjoying Bucks Knicks. Oh, look at Giannis. Man, he looks unbelievable. Wow. If the Bucks would have lost last night, I would have been very toxic. Luckily, they won 109-103. And today, to begin the show, as we begin most Thursday shows, I want to step into the NBA lounge. Two teams to cover, and then we'll wrap up with the Bucks. How's that sound? Not a large slate, not a large plate, but very specific things that I want to discuss today. And as always, I try to wrap up the NBA lounge with the Bucks. If we don't talk about the Bucks the whole time, I try to end with the Bucks to draw it back to the Wisconsin sports team. This is the Wisco Sports Show. After all, two teams I want to discuss before we get to the Bucks: The Pacers and the Kings. Hey, 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 hey. Bear with me. Pacers and the Kings. You think, Grant, what the hell? What are you putting us through? No, no, no. Bear with me. I'm going to take you on a journey. Okay, let me guide you for the next five or six minutes. I got a point. The Pacers are going to teach us something about our own teams. The Kings. There's always something to be learned from the Kings, our Sacramento Kings. They're going to teach us something about our teams as well. And then I'm going to bring it all around and we're going to finish with the Bucks. So stick with me. We're going to take a little walk through the NBA wilderness, but we can do so to the sound of swing jazz. Let's start with the Pacers. They're 12 and 9, 7 and 3 in their last 10. Recent wins over the Lakers, the Nets, and the Magic. Everyone thought the Pacers would be terrible this year, myself included. I thought they'd stink. I thought they'd be in the running for the top pick. I thought that was their whole goal. They traded Sabonis last year, got younger, drafted Benedict Matherin. Chris Duarte has been hurt. He's one of their best players. I thought the Pacers would be in the running for a top lottery pick. And they have these great trade pieces. They can unload Buddy Heald and Miles Turner at their leisure for whatever package they want. That will help them get worse anyways. Now, I'm not saying they won't end up a lottery team. But like I said, they're 12-9. and nine, And as of right now today, they are fourth place in the Eastern Conference. And when I watch them, I think, uh, they're not too bad. That's not a bad team. I'm not saying they're great, but that's, that's a solid team. That's a competitive team of basketball. And I have a theory as to why that is. And this is where we go big picture, and I think this can teach us something about some of our own teams. The Pacers are 21st in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Okay. Bottom half of the league in both. Not terrible. Not great. Tyrese Halliburton is their leading scorer. Oshkosh's zone. He's the 40th leading scorer in the NBA based on points per game. Benedict Matherin is their next closest scorer, and he's right behind it. 41, but 40 and 41. That's, that's not even close to the top of the league. Again, nothing great there. Okay, so they're bottom half of the league in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Their leading scorers are nowhere near the top of the league. There's nothing amazing about the Pacers, but there's also nothing terrible about them. And this is where I really got in my head last night trying to think about our Packers and our Brewers and our Bucks and our Badgers. The Pacers aren't terrible at any one thing. They don't have any terrible players. They're not great at anything, but they're not terrible at anything. And you can't tank that way. You can't lose game after game after game if you're not terrible at at least one thing or if you're not playing at least one terrible player. You can't take that way. You can win a lot of games by simply being competent at everything. 
And this is, like I said, widely applicable, not just in the NBA or for the Pacers, but across sports. The Packers are terrible, not below average, not weak. No, no, no. They are garbage at stopping the run. And it costs them games. It's cost them plenty of games over the last decade. The Cowboys, in the context of this season, are ho-hum at stopping the run. And yet the Cowboys are winning games. The Cowboys are good enough at stopping the run. There's a big difference between barely competent and terrible. The Pacers are the poster team for this. Just don't suck at anything. Just be okay at everything and win a lot of games. Look at their roster. Like, there's nobody terrible on here. I like Tyrese Halliburton. Talked about him for a while. I like Duarte when he's healthy. Turner, Heald. Can't remember if TJ McConnell's still there or not. They just have a lot of solid players. They're not great players, not all-stars. Not going to make all NBA teams. But there's no trash on the Pacers at any spot. And when you just are competent everywhere, you win a lot of games. Now, you can't win every game. As evidenced by last night, the Pacers lost 114 to 137. And the other team that I want to discuss is the team that beat them. Our Sacramento Kings. It's our West Coast team on this show. My West Coast team. They're 11 and 9, 7 and 3 in their last 10. Sixth in the West. And they've played a lot better basketball in recent weeks after getting off to a disappointing start to a season with pretty high expectations. At least high expectations for the Kings. The Kings are proof. This is another big picture conclusion I want to draw. The Kings are proof that if you shoot a lot of threes, and again, you're at least competent at shooting threes, you can win a lot of games. You don't really have to be good at anything else. You don't have to have any superstar, transcendent MVP, all NBA type of players. No, no, Basic rule of thumb of basketball. If you shoot a lot of threes and you're at least somewhat competent at making them, you are going to win a lot of games and you're going to score a lot of points. Three-pointers are worth a lot more than two-pointers over large sample sizes. The Kings are sixth in the NBA in three-point attempts per game. They're behind only the Warriors. That's a pretty good team. They they got it figured out. Even if they've started a little slowly, I think they'll figure it out. It's shown that the Golden State Warriors, good and smart about the game of basketball. Boston is number two. Yeah, Boston just has the best offense in the league. Indiana, a team that we were just talking about. Utah, a team that is wildly outperformed expectations and Dallas a team that is basically duck and chuck threes drive and kick and if Luke is not shooting step back threes he's driving and kicking to someone who will like Christian Wood Dorian Finney Smith Hardaway those are the only teams in the league that take more three-pointers on a per game basis than our Sacramento Kings here's some splits from the Kings best contributors Kevin Querter shooting 45% from three on seven attempts per game. Terrence Davis, 40% on about three attempts per game. Malik Monk, 36%. That is excellent. De'Aaron Fox, which is a career high at 39%. Davion Mitchell, only two and a half attempts per game, but he's shooting for his position and for his skill set, a very respectable 34%. And Harrison Barnes is shooting 28%. Now, there's going to be some balancing out with this team. Kevin Herter is not going to shoot 45% all season, and Harrison Barnes is certainly not going to be stuck at 28% all season. That will balance out. But the point is, the Kings shoot a lot of threes, and they have a lot of guys on their team that are good at making threes. You don't need a team full of Steph Currys. You just need a bunch of decent shooters, and you need volume. Basketball is not complicated. And if you think of football or baseball or any of our other sports, you just think, hey, what's that one thing you need to be good at to win games? Just have a team full of guys that are at least pretty good at that one thing. And over the course of the season, it's going to work out for you. 
for example, the Packers. Tackling, pretty important to football, no doubt. You don't need a team of Sean Alexanders or Bobby Wagners or Clay Matthews. You just can't have a team like the Packers have where no one can tackle. There's no competence on that defense. If the Packers tackled like the Sacramento Kings shot three-pointers, the Packers would not be 4-8. and eight. They might not be 11-1, but they're certainly not 4-8. and eight. You get my point? Think, uh, let's think of baseball. Home runs. Home runs is a great example. Home runs and three-pointers, very applicable. There's a lot of teams like the Utah Jazz or the Dallas Mavericks. Their whole idea is get up as many threes as possible, drive with our best player, attract attention, kick the ball out, shoot threes. Wins a lot of games in the regular season. Doesn't always work in the postseason, but it's still a good strategy. I think the same in baseball. Get a team full of guys who can hit for power and just swing for the fences every at-bat. That's what a lot of teams do. I don't think it's what's great for the sport, and it's certainly not what consistently wins against tough competition in the playoffs. But again, volume, competence over the course of a season, it works. These sports aren't as complicated as we sometimes make them out to be. Sacramento, Indiana, both who played last night, can teach us a valuable lesson about how sports aren't really that complicated. The Pacers are showing us that if you just don't suck at anything, even if you're not great at anything, you're going to win a lot of games. The Sacramento Kings are showing us, hey, what's the most important thing in basketball? Well, three-pointers are worth the most points. Let's shoot a lot of those and be pretty good at it. Boom. Great. They don't have LeBron. They don't have Giannis. They don't have Luka. They don't have Embiid. It doesn't matter. They're winning games because basketball is really not that complicated. And I think we can think that way about baseball and football and our other sports as well. Let's talk about the Bucks. They played the Kings last night, 109-103. Thank God they won. Oh my, I was I was getting upset. I would have been very unpleasant last night. And you might be thinking, Grant, who would you have been unpleasant to? You live alone. Yeah, I know, that's not the point. I would have been angry. I probably would have tweeted some swear words because for whatever reason, that makes me feel better. It's like, yeah, stick it to my team. I tweeted the F word. Okay, cool, Grant. Are you in middle school? learning swear words on the bus, thinking you're cool for using them. But that's what I do when our teams lose and I get upset. By the way, follow me on Twitter for that great content, at Wisco Grant. The Knicks are an annoying team. They try hard and they don't go away. They have backdoored a win against the Bucs more than once the last couple of years, where the Bucs get up 13 points at the start of the fourth. You think they got it, and then the Knicks just try hard, try hard, try hard, and all of a sudden they've stolen a win at the end in a game that you thought was over. It's very annoying. Plus, the refs were kind of having their moment last night. That fourth foul or that fifth foul on Giannis, that baseline bump. Disgusting act. Should have been given a should have been given a flagrant for that. Enough on the Knicks. Enough on last night's matchup. Big picture takeaway before we take our first commercial break. Why are we trying to trade Grayson Allen? Bucks fans, it's just become a foregone conclusion. We got to trade Grayson. Why? I tweeted during the third quarter last night. I'm like, I... I not in a rush to trade Grace now. And then he you know, ends up hitting the game-winning shot, which is lucky tweets timing by me. Why are we trying to trade Grace and Allen? Why is everyone so quick to run him out of town? Well, we had a bad series in the playoffs last year. Lots of people have bad series in the playoffs. If Chris Middleton plays, that probably never happens. It probably never matters because Grace and Allen isn't asked to play that much. Bucks fans, there's always going to be guys on the bench that aren't perfect players. You cannot have a perfect player on seat one through 15 on your NBA bench. It's just not how it works. There's going to be guys with flaws in their game. Grayson sometimes shrinks against really big competition in the playoffs. Sometimes the three-point shot goes away. The same is true for a vast majority of players in his category around the league. Nikola Mirotic, example number one. Well, he was terrible in the playoffs a couple years ago. 
yeah, he's Nikola Mirotic. Right? He's not Ray Allen. You didn't trade for Ray Allen. You traded for Nikola Mirotic. Grayson Allen is not, through that same vein, Ray Allen. He's Grayson Allen. Nice. Same last name, though. He's not going to be a perfect player, but you could do way worse. He's a great driving kick player, which is important for the way the Bucks play. And last night we saw him kick, kick, kick. And then what did he do in a big moment? When the defense had gotten used to him driving and kicking, he stole a bucket at the rim. He's got good feel. Sure, his three-point shot waxes and wanes, but that's the case for most players like him. And Bucks fans want to trade him for Jay Crowder? Why? Jay Crowder is refusing to play for Phoenix right now, a contender. I don't want that guy. That's, that's toxic. That's Ty. I have no interest in him. I mean, unless he, you know, wants to come play here for free, then sure. I like Grayson Allen, and I'm not rushing to trade him right now. He's the one true trade chip they have left, along with Jordan Wara, who's a movable contract. That's really their last bullet left to fire, and I'm not dying. I'm not rushing to fire that bullet to get Jay Crowder. No thanks. Pass. 608-796-2558. We'll wind down our Bucks conversation, start to trend towards the Packers, because we are going to have a hell of a conversation with Bart Winkler about Matt LaFleur coming up at 4.30. Can't wait. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show i am begrudgingly starting to exit the nba lounge we're going to connect with bart winkler to talk matt lafleur here in about 10 minutes at the very beginning of the show back at four o'clock i took a little bit of a victory lap for our madison crowd on the zone because my number one listened to song of the year on spotify was a performance that was live at the dane in 1978 dick's picks volume 18 great album I had a guy tweet back at me last night that it's this favorite eyes of the world. I don't think that's a correct take. I think they're much better eyes of the world, but the album Big Picture is is good. I'm being that guy. I should stop. But we had a a listener chime in, uh, Eau Claire Dan, or Grateful Dead Dan, let's call him. That's normally what we talk about. He likes it. He says, yes, last year of Donna and Keith. I have really come around on Keith. I used to be a Brent snob. I think I needed Brent to get into Keith because like Brent is punchy it's sharp it's metallic it's I don't know it shimmers and in a lot of songs that's great and I think I needed that to get into a lot of songs but now I find myself you know 77 78 it's like man I love that Keith is a little more subdued to where he can basically play non-stop and if you really want to focus on it you can but if you want to tune out and listen to Jerry or Bob or somebody else you can kind of just come and go on Keith's playing Especially in 77, obviously, like, people love Cornell. Scarlet Begonies on Cornell is a great example of that. Like, Keith is playing the whole time, but if, if you don't dial in and focus on it, it just blends in with the rest of the band. So I am becoming more of a Keith guy. Thank you, Dan, in Eau Claire, for that message. Although, sorry, if there's a Grateful Dead live album in Eau Claire, I'll boost my numbers for it next year. It can be a next-year project. 608-796-2558 if you want to call or text. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We're going to have the Matt LaFleur conversation here in about 10 minutes. Does anyone have any Matt LaFleur takes? Anything we need to say? Joe Barry's at the podium right now. One thing that frustrates me with uh, Matt LaFleur is his stubbornness with his coordinators. I think he holds on to people too long or he gives people too much of the benefit of the doubt. 
right? That's a bad trait in leadership. We've all we've all had a boss like that where you have a coworker who just stinks, stealing company time, not getting their work done, leaving other coworkers out to dry. But the boss is like, yeah, he's a good guy. There's a lot going on. You know, I was making excuses for him. It's like, no, as a boss, you need to be patient with your employees. You need to give them the benefit of the doubt. But at some point, it's like, man, you are not doing your job. I need to do something about it, whether that's get rid of you, replace you, put you in a different role. I don't know. Joe Barry, I'm not saying that firing him in the middle of the season would fix it, but Matt LaFleur going to the podium and saying, I, if I thought there was an issue, I'd make a change. Well, there's an issue, Matt. You gave up 360 on the ground. We don't always need to be giving our coordinators the benefit of the doubt. Your coordinator and his unit kind of stinks. By the way, he told Rob Domofsky 12 minutes ago, uh, he did not think it was a lack of effort. Uh, he said they worked on leverage and population to the ball. He thinks they've tackled, quote, fairly well this year. Oh, maybe I, maybe my TV is something wrong with my TV. Maybe I'm just not seeing the game clearly. Hector in Alaska, 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? I literally just bursted out laughing. Yeah. When you said that Joe Barry said that they are tackling decently. Are you joking? Oh, no, no, no. I went and watched. Fairly well. Better than decent. Fairly well, he says. That's a direct quote. I went and watched my nephew, who's a wimp, and seven years old, and they were hitting each other more than the Packers were hitting anybody this year. Yeah. So, and he hates contact. And I only say he's a wimp because he was he was raised by his grandparents, so... Like they, it wasn't like, you know, like when you're like your dad, he's like, yeah, toughen up son. But your grandpa's like, ease off of him a little bit. Yeah, kind of a, yeah. that's the kind of relationship that they all have. So he, that's why I say he's a win. But anyway, it's fair. yeah, Matthew, uh, Matthew, no has no room to talk about anything. Cause he can't, he doesn't even know how he couldn't even tell you how to tackle somebody. If you asked him the proper form. So he, ugh, whatever. Bring Leonard in. Once a Badger, always a Badger. That is correct. But bring him into Green Bay. Let him show what he can do. And then he can go do whatever he wants, be a head coach wherever. But Matt LaFleur, this is the one thing, the one thing I will never get over. How do you, how are you a grown man yeah. and you cry in front of other grown men because the game isn't going the way you want. Do something about it then. Adjust. Make some kind of a change. But no, they want to go into the locker room. He'll cry in front of them to show that him that, he, you know, this is making him feel some kind of way. But then he doesn't make any changes coming out of the locker room. So uh, Justin Fields is definitely a better runner than Jalen Hurts. He might put 350 oh, yeah. on the Packers pray, by himself. Pray for this Packers defense this weekend. Justin Fields is a full participant today. And I so, look, I'm not against a grown man showing emotion in front of grown men, Hector, but I think there's a there's an important there's let's put it this way. Dan Campbell will cry in front of his players. He's an emotional guy. I also feel like Dan Campbell would kick anyone's ass at the drop of a hat. I don't feel that Absolutely. way about Matt LaFleur. And I, and I think, you know, we talk about the fight or flight response. Matt LaFleur is 100% flight. There's no fight in there. Like when the game goes sideways and they go into the locker room, part of me wants Matt LaFleur to look for anything to throw, someone to get, just whatever. You know what I mean? Like I want that guttural like instinct to yell and to fight. He only has the flight. There's no fight or flight. It's just flight with Matt LaFleur. Yeah, I agree with that because I had a similar, we had a similar coach 
in, um, I played soccer, um, but we had a similar coach that was like that, and we 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 didn't really listen to him much because he never put his foot down. And then one day, I was my senior year. I was one of the captains, and we were one game removed from going to the playoffs. And I told him, I'm like, Coach, you got to do something. And so he's like, Well, can I use you as my dummy? And I was like, Sure, yeah. like whatever. And we get into the locker room. It's nil nil at half. And we go into the, it was in a locker room, I guess. We go and stand on the side of the field. And he grabbed me up by my jersey mm-hmm. and just held me. Like when you're trying to get a toddler to listen and you grab them by their shoulders and yeah. you hold them. And he grabbed me up like that and he let me have it in front of everyone. And we won the game four to zero. And it was oh. because everyone was worried that he was going to like, <laughs> they, they were, they didn't see, they'd never seen that side of them. Yeah. And he was telling me how my ass is grass. If this doesn't, and all this, and he was very nice about yelling at me. But it's that spark that you got to get. Like, if your leader isn't leading you, then what the heck else do you need to do? Like, you don't have any reason to show him that respect. And Matt LaFleur needs that for sure. I think so, you painted a perfect I've used picture. Up everyone's minute. Yeah, I, I think you painted so a beautiful I picture. <laughs> I appreciate the analogy. I think it's a perfect one. I wish we could talk longer, Hector, but I got to go because we got to get to Bart. Thanks for the call. Yeah, yeah. You have a good night. Yeah, you as well. Hector in on Alaska. The reason why his soccer team was able to come back and put four on the opposing team in the second half of the game after it was tied nil-nil, to use the correct soccer language. Let's talk to Bart Winkler. He's a soccer guy. We're also going to yell about Matt LaFleur. I feel like this has been a long time coming. Bart is going to unleash, and I very much look forward to it. He joins us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show mike clemens in an hour for the madison crowd i gotta say this now or i'll forget i as i started the show by saying I, we've made tremendous connections i think with our madison listeners this week so many callers so many great badgers conversations uh and i love that however our affiliate madison the zone will be kicking the show at five because of kenny and heilprin which I, I love ben and zach we had zach on yesterday he was great practically had to drag him on air kicking and screaming but he did join us uh so stop by they'll be at monks but if you want to keep listening to this show, I'll tweet out a link because uh, the show will keep going. You just can't listen on the zone. So apologies, but they're really good. Better talk. We're going to talk Packers with Bart Winkler of the Bart Winkler show podcast, which is there something going on this week, Bart? I'm feeling it. The listeners are just fired up. There's something going on in the Wisconsin sports talk space this week, especially. Yeah. I've, thanks for having me on. I've, I've had some good shows, but I don't know the, the day the week kind of got derailed today. I, I don't know. I don't need to bore you with anything, but I just left the hospital. You just left the hospital? Yeah, I was playing. I was playing peekaboo with my son, and I like shut up. Got in some sort of like accident, so they put me in the ICU. I actually thought you were in the hospital. Why'd you have to do a hospital joke? I was worried. I was like, it's cool that you're still coming on the show. Now I get the joke though. Well, it's funny. I'm not laughing. That is very funny. Every uh, you in the future, assuming there will be another one after that, uh, with a with a dad joke. So be uh, prepared. Yeah, and I oh, thank you, Bart. Uh, I want to talk about Matt Lafleur. You've had some great Matt Lafleur conversations on your on your podcast this week. Um, 
here's the way I've been thinking about it. Here's how I want to start. Matt LaFleur, the last couple of years, 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4. And it was all great. And it seems like this year's out of nowhere, right? They're 4 and 8, and it seems like Matt LaFleur is now a terrible coach and the team's falling apart. So today, I was trying to think of complaints that we had about LaFleur last year and the year before and the year before. Like, maybe we should have seen this coming. Maybe these problems have always been there. Have you considered that? Like, what do you remember complaining about with Matt LaFleur on your show the last couple of years? What came up? Even when they were winning, we found ways to complain about him. I'm sure that's what we do. Uh, there might have been, like, you know, the travel thing when he talked about traveling mm-hmm. and going to San Francisco for a playoff game. Do we go Friday or Saturday? And, and dumb things like that. Or I think it took him a while to figure out how to use challenges. But as you're saying that, I'd like to... I'd like to flip it around and ask you a question. I love it. What do you remember in the first three years about, uh, like, what compliments you gave LaFleur? Um, wow. I I think that for me, it's like, I don't, I don't, we haven't talked about LaFleur much. He's, he's, I mean, what do we say about LaFleur? He's the winningest coach. He's 13 and three, but we're never talking about like, oh, did you see the way he coached this? Did you see the way he did this? It's all been like Rogers induced and the, the the relationship we're trying to figure out what's their relationship going to be like because Lafleur wants to coach football and Rogers is a doofus and so we're trying to figure out how that's going to work out and we don't hear much about Lafleur it's oh Rogers played well Rogers was the MVP the the two seasons and then Lafleur it's like what do you, what do you even do and so are we but now but now I can't say is LaFleur a bad coach because they're four and eight. If I I couldn't say he's a good coach if they're thirteen and four, yeah. but I can't say he's a bad coach because a lot of this falls on Rogers again. I think overall the biggest complaints we would have had about Matt LaFleur is that he hung on to Petten too long, right? Yeah. And then they decided to hire Joe Barry and it seemed like neither of them wanted the job or you know, but they but they just made it a match. I think LaFleur LaFleur has a tendency to avoid confrontation and avoid making the tough decision when it needs to be made, that by the time the decision is made, the, the confrontation's even worse. Yeah, and yeah. you're in two it just seems like he he takes he takes the wrong way to where he's supposed to go, and instead of turning around and doing a U turn, he's like well, I need to go to the proper uh, designatedly marked street so yeah. that I don't interfere with traffic. That, that's what LaFleur is to me. <laughs> yeah, I actually wrote this down. I think it's it's not just a LaFleur thing. I think this has been the case with the Packers for the last maybe eight years. Like, it's taken them too long to do the thing they've needed to do. Like, now looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. McCarthy and Thompson should have been out after 14 because it was never the same after Seattle, right? Now, in the moment, you never, you never could have known sure. that, but... Maybe after 16 or after 17, they instead kept him all the way through 2018. Well, you can't judge him on Brett Hundley. We need one more. And they wasted some time there. I think they wasted time with Thompson, too. Patton was let go, but then Bart, they retained his whole staff. So they're still holdovers, and they haven't addressed that. The Packers should have addressed number two wide receiver or wide receiver period four years ago. They finally did, and now it's too late because these guys are rookies, and they're not ready to be what the Packers need them to be. Joe Barry isn't the answer, but Matt LaFleur keeps hanging on. This organization, and LaFleur obviously is a big part of that, need to be more reactive. They need to be quicker and more decisive because they waste so much time. Well, the Packers as an organization, I think, they don't make decisions maybe when we think they should make them because they are stubborn. Okay. Uh, Matt LaFleur doesn't make those decisions. I think the difference is is because 
he's, I don't know, for lack of a better word, a frady cat. Is that I the mean, word you, is a the word you'd use with your son? Oh, how, you know in every group there's the one kid that gets picked on the most? Yeah. How was that always not Matt LaFleur? Well, it probably was. Like, Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel would stuff him in a locker. Like, he lets Matt LaFleur be in the friend group because he's funny and, like, he's got Family, a cool house. But... They embarrass him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They flat-out embarrass him. And then they talk about it after the game. They're like, yeah, we knew that they would fold. We knew that they couldn't hang with us. We knew that they're soft. And, and he is- doesn't get, like, when, when Robert Sala came out and said, we knew the Packers would fold, mm-hmm. why isn't LaFleur at the podium the next day saying, this guy doesn't, he, we are friends, but this guy doesn't know what goes on in this locker room. Yeah. This guy doesn't know what goes on. He didn't even, he didn't even, oh, my God, he didn't even think to defend that for a second. No. LaFleur is such a pushover. I thought you were going to say a different word there. Just like everybody else in this godforsaken state. Also thought you were going to say another word there. Well done. Uh, we're so we're so we're so desperate to be nice. Midwest nice. Midwest nice. How about we make a decision? Midwest nice. Ever any other franchise, you give them Farvin Rogers for thirty years, they got they got at least four championships. Now you got me all worked up. I didn't mean to. Nobody wants to do the wrong thing around here. Well, we can't we can't fire this guy because because he's you know, he was a his his dad was a brewer's PR guy as a kid, so can't fire him. Can't can't fire I mean I'm Chris McIntosh is like the one guy in this state that actually that actually like wants to win. Yeah. He's like, Well, I don't care. Oh yeah, Paul Chris played quarterback here forty years ago. So did uh, like a million people. I don't care. What do you want me to do? Hire Brooks Bollinger as his offensive coordinator? Yeah. No, we're firing Chris because he sucks, and then we're going to bring in Luke Fickle. Yeah, I'd love it if we could give the job to Jim Leonard, but guess what? He's a pushover too. I, yeah, my my Chris Jim Leonard. McIntosh. Yes, go ahead. Sportsman of the year. Yes, we're talking with Bart Winkler. Bart Winkler show Twitter at Winks Thinks. One of my takes, and you'll probably agree with this. One of my takes is that Jim Leonard has been friend zoned. It's the it's not the first time we've used this analogy, but the Badgers knew that they could go behind his back and like, well, we'll shop around, and if we can't find anyone, then we'll keep Jim Leonard because you know Jim Leonard he can't quit us. You know we have him so friend zoned, like we'll just you know show a little thigh, uh, uh, you know hypothetically, theoretically. Uh, and he'll come running back, and then, oh, we got Luke Fickle. Okay, we're going to go with the hotter girl. Now we leave Jim Leonard out. Like, the Badgers weren't afraid of him, and I'm not saying Jim Leonard was a pushover, but Chris McIntosh was very ruthless in that. There's not a lot of ruthless with the Packers, and certainly not with Matt LaFleur. Okay, you're going back to the Packers, but I'm going to pivot off of you. I go ahead. coming back, but I got I got one more other thing to say. Because I, now i got to stick up for my state, okay? Okay. You're like, oh, what's, what's, this, what's this Winkler? Did, did, did Grant... Did Grant just bring on a guy who's a podcast? Who is this guy? What's he talking about? What's he saying? Why is he ripping on my state? Making dad jokes. Let me tell you what. Yeah, well, that dad joke tanked even worse. It didn't even tank in a good way. The the state of Wisconsin, I'm 38 years old, okay? I've lived here my whole life. I got a little Fond du Lac in me. I got a little lacrosse in me. I got a little Milwaukee in me. I've been all up and down. I got a little Green Bay in me. I've been all up and down, okay? So, I love this state. The state that has a big-time problem is our neighbors to the west, Minnesota. These idiots think that they be- they beat two bad Badger teams and won the axe. They're making T-shirts, Grant. Yeah. They're making T-shirts. Not only are they making T-shirts, 
They're flying off the shelves. They are. Sold out. This is that, that's, Minnesota. That's a. This is why I was pissed at Graham Mertz. I've never had a strong opinion on Graham Mertz. It's always kind of funny, you know. You could joke about him, but on Saturday it stopped being funny because it's like, dude, you had a whole half against a terrible Gopher team and a true freshman quarterback to go win that axe, and you didn't do it. So transfer. Go ahead. I hope I'll help you pack. Nothing against you. I hope you succeed somewhere else. But I, I don't know. I I got very used to having the axe for years, Bart. I said this on Monday. I got very used to having the axe. My entire life we had the axe. And he lost it once. It's like, ah, eh, whatever. Now it's been two years, and I realize how much that trophy means to me because it's the one given we had against, as you said, our neighbors to the west in Minnesota. Now that I don't have that, it's really bothering me. I'm Bart, I'm firing up League Pass to watch the Timberwolves because it makes me happy that that team is garbage after the big trade. I, I need something. I need something to make me feel better about our rivalry with Minnesota. I'm watching Timberwolves games to get that. Let me piss off both states now. Okay. This axe ain't it anymore, man. Like, what? Like, the trophy doesn't mean that much? (laughs) These two teams always suck. Or one of them sucks. They're never both good. They were both good, what, one time? Yeah, the Jerry Kill year? Or which year was that? I remember they were both good one year. So, we're, we're fighting for a trophy that either we're beating Minnesota because they suck, or they beat us because we suck. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not like Ohio State, Michigan. Oh, what a you, great! You game. talk to people oh, around here; they, they act like Wisconsin, Minnesota is Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Is Fox ever going to come to Camp Randall for a three-hour pregame show to preview who's going to get the axe? No. no, no, never. No. By the way, Ohio State, Michigan was outstanding. And sorry, I don't want to cut you off. Sometimes you take long pauses between points, and I just I don't want to step on your toes. Uh, we did. Packers. Well, I think there's like a two-second delay between me and you. Eh, maybe that's it. Maybe it's my fault. And I that's your know. faulty equipment. Yeah. And I said last time I was on here that you need some help. You need a producer. No. And now I would suggest that you need a new room of equipment. What do I need a producer Grant for? Bills, Grant Bills is too good of a host to be working with radio equipment that was from the 1900s. What is a producer going to do for me? I would be uncomfortable with a producer. Book my guests and call someone. I'm perfectly capable of using a phone. What do I need a producer for? Am I too over the top today? No, I think you're a good mix. I've always, I'm always scared that a producer would be gunning for my job because if I was a producer, that's what I'd be doing. And I don't, I don't want. It's like, it's like a coach. I need to know everyone on my staff is with me and not just trying to, you know, take over my job when I falter. I think that's why I don't want a producer. Uh, my friend Tim Shea will come do it. He ain't taking your job. <laughs> I know he was. He's on my podcast. I saw him on it. Hey, I want to wrap up with your podcast because I, I was thinking about last night what I wanted to ask you, and I wanted to talk about your podcast a little bit because people should listen and people should download and all the things. It's the Bart Winkler Show, and you After do some live stuff. Well, hey, watch the number spike. I got a couple of tweets here. This one from uh, G-Dub, Madison Lister. Bart is straight fire right now. Wow, look at that. Started rocky, but wow. Yeah. I got a text from downtown Billy. He already listens to your show, so that's not. But I think people will rush your podcast. I, I want to ask you about your podcast. Do you, do, you, do you like podcasts? Like, do you listen to other podcasts ever? I don't, you don't like podcasts, and yet you do one. And I wanted to ask you about that because I, I just find that very interesting, one of very many interesting things about you. Well, I also didn't listen to a lot of radio when I was on the radio. Oh. Uh. Yeah. The only thing I really listen to is Howard Stern. Okay. But I don't know. I, I'm not like, and it is, it is weird because I work in audio. 
Yeah. But I don't like just audio. I like to watch video with it. Do you? Okay. Dude, I was watching last night. Do you know the always, do you watch Always Sunny? No, too crude for me. Shut up. So they do a podcast (laughs) and it started as, I remember I listened to a couple of episodes last winter and they just talked about episodes and it was funny. And now I fired oh, up. They an, do? I, I, I fired up an episode last night on the Nightman Cometh episode, which is one of the best. And they had like guests who were working on the episode. Dude, they have a built-out studio. They had like production. They're showing clips in there now on Spotify. When you open it, like there's an option where you can watch the video too, right in the app. Like, I, I love podcasts. I love doing this. But some of the, I mean, this is nuts. This is a whole new world. Oh yeah, and I, so uh, tangent. Go ahead. There's a lot of these. The podcasts that I cannot jive with, okay, are like what you just described. Uh, the one that the one that makes the like the one that offends me is anything office related. Sure. Because I watched The Office every week when it was on. When it was on real TV. Same with like okay? Arrested Development. That's one of your things. You you didn't catch on with these shows later when they got popular. You were supporting them live when they were on. I but I don't mind. See. So I watched The Office. I don't mind that it found a new life on streaming. But now it's like Kevin and Pam, they're all doing appearances where they're like 20 years old or they don't look like them. I mean, Kevin, Brian Baumgartner going to a Packer game, does that do anything for anybody? Well, it doesn't do anything no. oh, against hey, anybody. Hey, the Packers did a thing with him where he dropped the chili. Yeah, that is funny. <sighs> I'm, I'm with you on this. I agree. It is a little it's a pretentious. Very specific complaint. Because usually a, I'm like yeah. each their own, and uh, a, a high tide rises all boats mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to see success in others. It just feels, just I don't know. It just feels weird. Well, we got like two minutes. It would be. But like, I guess if I could do a podcast, yeah. recalling my old episodes of the Bart Winkler show on radio. That's what I was gonna maybe say. that's what my podcast should be: listening to old radio shows I did. And doing a podcast off of them. That's what I was going to say. You took the, like, that's what the Always Sunny thing is, is they sit around and it's awfully pretentious and it sounds pretty like, well, I remember working on this episode. We were blah, blah, blah. And I remember this and we were getting coffee at this place. It's like, okay, a little thick, but I would listen to that. But that's what the world is. Like, hey, we once created a thing. Now we're going to start a podcast to talk about and recycle that thing. And I don't know if I'm in or out. The Always Sunny guys are really good at it, but I just, on principle, I, I don't know. I feel like we're getting taken for a ride. There's too many podcasts. It's it's too much. Well, I guess podcasts today are now like just the DVD extras yeah. of yesteryear. That's how you can think of it. Good way of looking at it. Well, Bart, uh, I might see you. You're going to be watching soccer on the town this weekend. Maybe I'll swing by because uh, the the significant other wants to go somewhere to watch the game. So maybe we'll come see you on Saturday. And you're being in Milwaukee this weekend? Yes, I am. Mm. Okay. Well, okay. I will be probably drunk by the time I see you. Outstanding. That's the only way and I can get yes, a everyone, we are planning to meet on a Saturday morning. Outstanding. World Cup was so good today. Oh, my God. I saw tweets, and we could talk about it on Saturday. I'm out of time. Thank you, Bart. Always when I bring up soccer, you're out of time. That's not what it is. I, that's not what it is. And I actually have to let you go. Have an outstanding night. He's on Twitter at WingsThinks. we got to take a break. We'll come back. Wrap up the first hour of the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Hey, to our Madison listeners on The Zone, we've had a heck of a week. And if you want to continue to listen to this show past 5 o'clock, and not Kenny and Heilprin, don't tell Zach and Ben. We are a little secret. I'm going to tweet out a link at 5 o'clock. And if you want to listen to Ben and Zach, hey, the show's great. Do them one better. Stop by and see them at Pooley's. Or no, they're at Monk's. Sorry. Ebo and Nelson have been at Pooley's. Both great establishments. Both great shows. But tonight, yeah, Monk's and Sun Prairie. Stop by and see them. Uh, tell Ben that he's a loser for not having higher expectations for championships in Madison. He'll get, he'll get a kick out of it. Also tell him that the expanded 12-team playoff is a great idea and it's great for the sport. He would also love to dis- to discuss that with you. And, 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 if you continue listening to this show and not Kenny and Heilprin, uh, you can always check out their podcast as you can check out this show's podcast. You can listen to both. Not at the same time. You can listen to both. In the second half of the show, Mike Clements is going to be here. Mike Clements, our guy, he's been in Green Bay. He can talk about what Rodgers was like in practice because he practiced today in a limited capacity. Those are just words. Mike can paint a picture. Mike can tell us exactly what he saw and the feel and, and kind of what the vibe is like around Aaron Rodgers' health and his status moving forward for Sunday. Justin Fields is 100%, not limited in practice today at all, so pray for Joe Barry's defense. Joe Barry spoke with the media today. Mike Clemens was in attendance for that. So Mike can tell us all about what that wordsmith Joe Barry had to say. Hector called him Joe No Berries. That's pretty nice. Duck and Holman didn't like when I said Joe Barry's unit. Uh, talking about his defense, Duck said he got a little bit of a weird image when I said Joe Barry's unit. So we we don't have to say that anymore. Joe Barry's defense. Let's say that. Joe Barry's D? Uh, same problem. Let's take a two-minute break for an update. Come back. Second hour of the Wisco Sports Show next. We got one objective and one goal is to play for a championship. That is open-ended, but it gives you a lot of flexibility to do. You have an opportunity in this league. If you're playing for a championship, amazing things can happen. You just got to stay focused and know that's what it's come down to. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. The commentary is always strong when Bart Winkler joins the show, for good or for bad. More good this time. I haven't seen any bad yet. River City Mark texts in and says, was Bart having cocktails before he called? Uh, probably. Downtown Billy says, Bart on the Wisco Sports Show is my Avengers. This is electric. Bart's a good time. A couple of texts. G-Dub even enjoying the show. We are slowly but surely converting G-Dub to our team here on the Wisco Sports Show. Enough G-Dub to go around, but we're getting them from four to six. I like it. Uh, Brian says, Bart sounds like he's calling from one of those three-foot-tall walkie-talkies used in Vietnam. Yep, uh, that comment along the same lines as, uh, was he drinking before he called? Hector McNally here on Twitter. NBA Lounge and Bart Winkler in the same hour. Is Wisco, Wisco Grant the new standard of radio? I think so. Always have been, Hector. It's just people are slowly starting to figure it out. Appreciate the tweet, though, at Wisco Grant. This is the Wisco Sports Show, hour number two. Mike Clements on the way. Man, we're going to have a blast. We're going to have fun. I'm a little, um, what's the word? I, I don't know. I can't get comfortable. I got new pants. 
My mom bought me a couple of new pairs of pants. I got them over Thanksgiving. Very nice of her because she knows I hate buying pants because I don't like wearing new pants. Pants are something, first of all, I, I don't believe that men should own that many pairs of pants. I feel like they should have three or four pairs that they wear on the daily. They should keep them clean, uh, keep them nice. But how many how many pairs of pants do I need? I got a pair of jeans, blue jeans, black jeans, got some khakis, maybe some gray khakis, maybe some big cargo pants, some hiking pants. There you go. That's all I need. But my mother knows that I hate buying pants, so she bought me some pants. It was very thoughtful of her. But the thing with me, pants are like towels. I, I need to age them a little bit. Like towels, when they're brand new, they're so fluffy. Those don't get you dry. That doesn't do the trick. They talk about this on Curb all the time. It's a great point. You need to age your towels. It's the same with pants. I got a very new pair of jeans on, and I love these jeans. And again, thankful that my mom was thinking of me and bought these for me. But I need to age them a little bit. I need to wear them. And this office chair and the studio, there's just some some angles and some nooks and crannies that these pants really haven't. We need to, reps. We need reps. So I don't know why I shared that with you, but now you're all caught up. At Wisco Grant on Twitter, 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show. And as Duck and Holman tweets in, no, they are full-length pants, not short pants, as our friend in Monona would say. Uh, Dave, I had some really interesting Matt LaFleur discourse with Bart back at 4.30. Some really good discourse with Hector, too. Hector was talking about, hey, he always looks like he wants to cry. It's really hard for an NFL head coach to look like that all the time. I'm not against emotion. I'm not even against crying. A good cry in the right context, it'd be a very healthy thing. And nothing at all to be ashamed of, right? This is a very progressive show. We're we're a pro-crying show when need be. Dan Campbell will cry in front of his team. I think that's the way that he shows and, and genuinely shows to his team that he cares. He cares a lot. He wants the best for them. He wants them to win. He wants them to succeed. And I think that crying is a genuine way of showing them, like, guys, I'm gutted for you when we lose. I'm elated for you when we win. Like, I, I love this. But Dan Campbell is also built like a Ford F-150 and I'm pretty sure could run through a brick wall. And that leads me to respect him a little bit and I would not want to cross Dan Campbell. Matt LaFleur is not built like a Ford F-150. He's built more like a Toyota Corolla. And that's an excellent car, but when I'm trying to get it done, I'm not not jumping in a Toyota Corolla. I want a truck. I want Dan Campbell. So Matt LaFleur has the same emotion, the same crying that Dan Campbell does, but with None of the size and, you know, the, uh, what's the word, the intimidation. There's none of that for Matt LaFleur. And I, I think humans have a fight and flight or fight or flight reaction, right? When we're backed into a corner, we fight or we flee. Matt LaFleur does not have any fight. It's flight only. His response is never to get mad, never to lash out, which I think sometimes you need as a football coach. Sometimes you need as a football player. It's always flight with him. It's never fight. 608-796-2558. Speaking of the devil, Dave and Monona. Dave, hello. How are you? I wasn't going to call. Okay. I'm eating my popcorn. I'm eating my popcorn. Mm-hmm. Just got back from all day in Illinois. And the first thing I hear is, quote, my mommy bought my pairs of pants and clothes. Hey, your mom's never bought you a pair of pants? You're telling me that that's never yeah, happened to I- you? When I was 9, 10, 12, 13 years old, well, not when you're an adult, like, what are you, 23, 24? I mean, oh, see, see, but that just that explains a lot now. Wow. That really explains a lot why you, you have that femininity touch. You're, so does your mom buy your if, underwear, if your if socks? Anything, and, if anything, Dave, I hate shopping. I'm a man, and I refuse to go shopping for my own clothes because I don't like trying things on. If anything, this makes me more well, then call Amazon. 
than go on Amazon and just have them delivered to your door. No. You don't have your mommy. Oh, oh my. Pants, pants don't work that way. I, I don't like ordering clothes online because they come and then they don't fit. And that, well, you can return them. I'm not going to return them. I'm going to let them sit in my closet until I have to move, and then I'll take them to Goodwill. And it'll be a waste of time you and money are for a, everybody. You are officially now suspended for one one month. Anybody allows their mother to buy his clothes. They didn't allow. She oh, did it. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift. No, it's called, uh, I'm not sure if you're a man or a mouse, but uh, that's all I have. Goodbye. Well, this was a miss, Dave. Like, I, I, it was nice to hear from you and enjoy your popcorn. This was a miss, though. That, that, like, jeez. Jeremiah and Lacrosse says, I tune in every night to get a laugh just from Dave. I, I like Dave's call tonight because it was brief. I was a fan of that. <laughs> One of his better calls... If we're talking efficiency, I love that. That was a that was a two for three shooting performance. Now the take sucked, but from you know a quality perspective, I love it. Get out, get in, get out, get on with your life. My mother bought me some pants. What's wrong with that? I'm p- perfectly capable of buying my own pants. I just don't like to do it, which my mother knows, which is why she bought me a couple of pairs. And that was very nice of her. Dave, you love your mother. I was with you this summer. You called her while we were on the golf course. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a mother thinking of her son. Just ridiculous. 608-796-2558. Anyways, Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur might... See, here's the difference between me and Matt LaFleur. I'm capable of buying my own pants. I feel like Matt LaFleur, maybe his mom needs to buy his pants because he doesn't understand how the sizing works and he goes in the store and he gets overwhelmed and he's, you know, he gets anxiety about going up and asking the, 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 the changing room attendant for a key. I don't like, I don't like doing that. I can sympathize with Matt LaFleur there. I don't like going up to the changing room because I don't, I don't, I'm very anti-trying things on in the store. I don't enjoy it. I don't like trying things on at home. I like to put on what I put on in the morning, go about my day, and when I come home, I take my clothes off, I go to bed. No extra changing of the clothes. Any extra changes, that's too many. One change is one too many. I don't like the changing rooms, and I don't like going up to the desk and looking another human in the eye and being, could I please use the changing room? They're like, sure. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of that interaction. I don't like the act of the change. But... I know that if I'm buying pants, I need to do it. So I push through it. I feel like maybe Matt LaFleur, maybe his mom does need to buy his pants. I don't know how this coach at this point in the season at four and eight can establish his dominance. And I understand that this is a a regressive way of thinking. He's a man. He's got to prove he's a man. Well, as a football coach, you're leading grown men. You do need to assert some level of dominance and some level of respect. I'm not saying that his locker room doesn't respect him. I'm saying when I see him on TV and in interviews, I'm like, this is the guy? This is the guy who's supposed to dig this team out from 4-8? and eight? This is the guy who's supposed to look his quarterback in the eye and fire him up? I just, I don't see it. I, I see the same thing with Cliff Kingsbury. I see a man that's overwhelmed. I see a man that is kind of watching the game with the same face that I would have if I was watching my car get towed. It's like, ah, oh, there's nothing I can do about this, but it's my problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that, those are, that, those are the worst problems to have. The, the problems that are 100% your problem, but there's nothing you can do about it. Matt LaFleur watching his offense implode, his defense not know up from down and left from right, and he's standing on the sideline. He's like, oh, I can't fix this, but it is my problem. <laughs> it's like when your car's getting towed. What are you going to do, run out and argue at the tow company? No, that car's gone. Nothing you can do about it, but it's your problem. That's what Matt LaFleur's face always looks like. There's no, there's no confidence there. It looks like a man who's been beaten down and stressed out. And look, I get stressed. I get anxiety. But as a football coach, it's a, it's a different type of profession. He's got to cut through. Chuck says, I don't often agree with Dave, but today I do. 
Chuck, there's a there's a very important line of demarcation with the, this pants anecdote. I am very capable of buying my own pants. I don't like to do it. And my mother, who loves me, knows this and surprised me when I was home at Thanksgiving with a new pair of blue jeans and a nice pair of gray khakis. There's nothing wrong with that, Chuck. Don't don't feed into Dave. This was one of Dave's worst calls in a while. It was entertaining, but he has good takes. This is not one of them. Sean and Eau Claire. Say, hey, Grant, Dave and Monona is just mad that no one will buy him a pair of pants. Well, Dave has to shop at an extra store. That's probably why he's mad. He's got to go to, what is it, Joanne's Plus Sizes, Lee's Big and Talls. They, they have the special stores, right? That's where Dave shops. Dave's probably just a sweatpants type of guy where you don't have to worry about trying nothing on. That's true. Well, now we're actually, like, technically breaking down how Dave wears his pants. I feel like this has gone too far. Speaking of going too far, this has gone too far with the Packers. And this has been an organizational thing. And we talked about this with Bart back at 430. It's an organizational issue that they are stubborn. The Packers held on to Mike McCarthy for a couple of years too long. Now looking back, the proper time to part ways with Mike McCarthy was in 2014 because the team was never going to be the same after that year. Now, after 2014, you never would have thought that because that team was really good. And you're like, wow, Mike McCarthy just won a Super Bowl very, very recently, just a couple years ago in the, the spring, the winter of 2011. He's still the guy. But knowing what we know now, it would have been smart to just clean break part ways after 2014 and start on the next era. Instead, we went to 2015 and all the wide receivers got hurt. That was a wasted year. 2016, the defense was a train wreck. There were no running backs. That was a wasted year. 2017, I actually thought maybe they were starting to put it together, but then Aaron Rodgers gets hurt. That's a wasted year. Well, we can't move on from Mike McCarthy after a wasted year. His quarterback was hurt. That's not his fault. Let's go to 2018. And then they sucked. And it took four years for the Packers to assess and decide that they needed to move on from their coach when it could have been a lot sharper, could have been a lot more proactive rather than reactive. I think Matt LaFleur has some of the same issues. He holds on to coaches too long. He holds on to players too long. He holds on to things too long. But I don't know if it's a problem of him being stubborn. I think he's conflict-averse. I don't think he likes making tough decisions. I was joking with Bart the other night when we were texting I wouldn't be surprised if Matt LaFleur was married to the woman that he dated in sixth grade because it was his first ever girlfriend. She really liked him, and he never had the stones to break up with her for all these years. Because that's how he is with defensive coordinators. That's how he is with special teams coach. That's how he is with his entire defensive staff. This staff is a holdover for Mike Pettin, whose defense stunk like the defense before him towards the end with Dom Capers. It's conflict aversion. Matt LaFleur saying, well, if Aaron Rodgers... Isn't comfortable with a player, doesn't like a play, I'm not going to call it. Which, on one hand, is smart because you want to be in lockstep with your quarterback. But on the other hand, there's got to be a give and take. There's got to be a push and pull. There's certainly push from Rodgers. Is there push from LaFleur? I don't think so. It's conflict aversion. We're averse to conflict. Or Matt LaFleur certainly is. And combine that with the Packers' stubborn nature to not make rash decisions. And a lot of times that's a good trait, but sometimes you need to make a rash decision. Sometimes you got to go for it, even when people think you're being a little harsh. Like Luke Fickle. We're like, whoa, where did this come from? Well, that move doesn't happen if you don't move on from Paul Christ, maybe earlier than some thought. We talked about this on Monday and Tuesday. A lot of people thought, well, I'd give Paul Christ the rest of the year to try to write the ship. Well, if you give him the rest of the year to try to write the ship, then you prove that, well, he couldn't write the ship, and now Jim Leonard is upset, and we didn't get a look at him as a head coach, so do we give him the full year next year? Well, what if he stinks? Luke Fickle certainly isn't on the table because you haven't had time to talk through the details and have his wife visit Madison and all these things. Sometimes it's better to just go for it. And if it doesn't go well, then go for it again. Fishing analogy. Here we go. We got any walleye fishermen who are listening. If you're out on the boat, 
You're maybe jigging along the bottom, a little vertical jigging action, one of my favorite ways to fish if we're talking open water fishing. Jigging, you're feeling that bottom, right? And, and you feel a tap, 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 tap. You set the hook. And if you miss the fish, well, you miss the fish. You know what you don't do? You don't like halfway set the hook to, ah, is the fish there? Well, if you, in the process of testing to see if the fish is there, you're going to lose the fish. Right now, maybe if you set the hook, you pull the hook out of the fish's mouth, but at least you tried. Maybe you hook up on the fish. Maybe not, but at least you tried. You were decisive. You made a move to make a move. And if you miss the wall, I reel it up. Oh, worm's still on the hook. Drop her back down. Try again. There's something to be said for failing quickly. This is what Silicon Valley is all about. And, you know, there's a downside to that. Like with FTX, he had, uh, uh, you know, Sam Bakeman freed had a fortune of billions and billions of dollars. And now he's down to like one credit card and one bank account. Still worth more than me, which is a little depressing. Uh, I like to accrue financial stability slowly over the years per the Dave Ramsey method. Crypto is just nothing but crypto is like Anthony Davis, as Colin Cowherd said today. Right. He might be a flash in the pan. He might really want to buy in. But over the long term, it'll always bust. I also remember Colin Cowherd saying last year that he wouldn't work with a financial advisor that wasn't willing to get into crypto. So maybe Colin is, this is a where Colin is right, where Colin is wrong situation. Speaking of financial advisors, I do my own financial advising. My mom does not handle that for me. Although she does check in because she's a concerned parent and she loves me. 608-796-2558. Mike from Chippewa Falls. Right on, Grant. I cannot wear new pants either. Oh, yes, one of us. I have to break them in and wash them a few times before wearing them. I just pictured Dave and Monona in a pair of pe- Oh, I'm not going to read the rest of that. Matt LaFleur needs to start powerlifting, take some steroids, and look Aaron in the eye and say, I'm the boss. Hey, I said on Tuesday, Tuesday, I think, that Matt LaFleur, after this football season is over, needs to move up into the Northwoods. And not to rehash this debate, because it's not a debate, I'm correct, and if you disagree, you're wrong. Up north starts north of Highway 8. So I'm thinking, mm, not Rice Lake. It's too big. Malifleur, somewhere along the beautiful 53 corridor, is what I call it. Solon Springs, uh, Gordon, Barnes. Barnes is a beautiful town. I'm a big fan of Barnes. Malifleur needs to go live up there for the rest of the winter and next summer. He needs to frequent snowmobile bars, and he needs to toughen up. Okay? The kids can come visit. It's beautiful up there in the summer, Matt. We'll get you a place on the lake. Have some bonfires in the backyard. It'll be great. But Malifleur needs to toughen up. I think the Northwoods would be good for him. Dave from Monona, look at my picture on Facebook. I was still there. That's all how a real man dresses, not his mother dresses him up with a limousine and a lollipop. I love the way you speak, Dave. It never makes any sense, but God, I'm entertained. That's the number to call and text. We can talk a little bit more about the Packers before we get to Mike Clemens coming up next. I'm also on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to interact with the show this way. We got uh, <laughs> we got the Wisco Sports Show coming. I'm sorry, I'm laughing at something on Twitter. We're coming back in three minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show sorry i last segment wrapped up kind of awkwardly i saw something out of the corner of my eye on twitter and it made me laugh knocked me off my rhythm i apologize that was unprofessional of me so the wisco sports show and the number to text and call is 608-796-2558 
Snappy Tom in Eau Claire. So send Lafleur to Barnes. Trading Post, Eau Claire Chain. Gordon. Did you proofread this, Snappy Tom? Let him get real. No crying. Yeah, there's no crying in the Northwoods. River City Mark says, Grant, we have a hunting cabin in the woods in Barnes. Be happy to loan it out to Coach for his therapy and even supply the whiskey and venison jerky. If you can't get transformed in Barnes, it's not going to happen anywhere. Now, that's a fact, River City Mark. Um, and on the off chance that, you know, Matt LaFleur doesn't take you up on that offer, I, you know, I was spending good time in Barnes. So I have a couple of friends and we always go up north. We go up every spring and every fall because we fish the steelhead run. And I'm now to the point where I'm not going to mention where we go any longer because I believe over the next 10 years, and this is, this, this is my tinfoil hat take, over the next 10 years, people are going to come for the Great Lakes. People are going to need water. And I, I won't have it. I, I won't pick up, I won't go to arms for very many things. I might go to arms for that. People can stay away from the Great Lakes. I go way up there. And sometimes I, I used to mention where we go. I'm not going to mention it anymore because I that's where I'm going when this whole thing starts to crumble. And I think society is, is teetering. I think we're strong, but, but we are teetering. So I'm not going to say where. I have a group of friends and over the years, we've built a network of, my uncle's got a cabin in Barnes. Hey, our friend has a cabin in Gordon. Uh, this Tom, Dick, and Harry friend group has one in Webster. And we just, like, we keep track. So when we go up there, we know where we have places to stay. And over the last couple of years, my friends and their parents who own these places, uh, they're getting to the point where now they don't want the cabin anymore, so they're selling them. We're out a place in Barnes. We're about to be out a place in Webster. We're losing all of our territory up there. So I have to step up and buy a cabin. But here's the thing. I don't own a house. <laughs> is Someone tell me, is it financially responsible to buy a cabin before you own a house? 608-7962. Well, let's, let's attack this like Dave Ramsey would. Hold on. I, I have the music here. Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Dave Ramsey, finding financial freedom for you and yours. Today, we're talking about land purchasing and vacation homes. Question from a listener. Is it irresponsible to buy a cabin before you buy a home? Well, I think there's a lot of different details that we need to discuss on that front before we can properly answer the question. I think the one known true fact about the situation is that Joe Barry is a terrible defensive coordinator and once you admit that that's where financial freedom can truly begin i cannot stand joe barry and i really hope that mike clements is in a sassy mood coming up because i really want to bash him i really 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 want to bash him because i was reading some quotes from his press conference and i just look i understand we all struggle i'm not perfect in my job i i err quite often i make mistakes I forget things on my schedule. It happens to the best of us, even the pros of the pros, like the defensive coordinators of the NFL. I get it. We all make mistakes. I'm not anti-mistakes. I'm anti-treat-me-like-I'm-dumb for noticing your mistakes. You know what I mean? Don't like We've all had that coworker that missed an event or an appointment or a meeting or forgot to do something, and then when you ask them about it, and we're in the Midwest— well, we're very non-confrontational people. You ask your coworker, it's like, "Hey, did you get that thing done? I needed it today." And they're like, "Oh, I, I thought I, I thought I did it. Did I not? Did I not upload it? It, it must have not gotten uploaded to our shared folder online. Oh no, I, I totally did. It must have just not uploaded." And you're like, "You didn't do it. It's fine. It's fine. It happens. 
but don't don't do this whole Shakespeare performance. Just say you didn't do it. I don't do stuff all the time. I don't all the time. I don't do stuff. I fail to do things. It's very common. But I'm not gonna you know do this. Oh, did you? Was it not in your mailbox? It should be in your mailbox. I I thought I put. Did I forget? Oh man, did I put it in your mail? Stop! Stop! The, save us, okay? And with Joe Barry when he takes the podium. It's like, I, I actually thought we tackled very well. Um, I, I, I don't think it's a tackling issue. I, I don't think it's a scheme issue either. I, I'm going to have to go back and look at the tape. Hey, uh, Joe. Joe has no berries, as Hector called him in the first hour. I was watching the game. You guys couldn't tackle anybody. If you want to call it a fairly good tackle, you can put whatever label you want on it, but I'm not an idiot, so please don't treat me like one. Don't piss on my back and tell me that it's raining, Joe Barry. I guess that's just all I ask. If you have to be employed by a team in which I am a fan of and I own, I'm an owner. I would at least like the, the, the dignity of being respected and not being treated like an idiot. Don't get up at the podium and say, wow, I thought we tackled pretty well, personally. It's like, well, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you think, Joe Barry, but season's not gone too well for you. Uh, a couple of Northwoods comments. Uh, GWP Dad is the secret town to go to such and such a place. Yes, but actually, I don't stay directly in the town. We like to go even above the town. Go up, because that's, oh, that's way up there. Yes, it is. Uh, let's see here. Duckin Holman says Shatek. See, here's the thing about Shatek. Shatek isn't that far north for me. Shatek's like, what, an hour, hour and a half tops north of Eau Claire? Nothing on a beautiful summer night. You get up there, you take Highway 25 north of Menominee, and you're rolling around. You pass through the Ridgelands and the Barrens of the world. You get yourself a little Debbie and a Mountain Dew at a gas station. That's... I mean, that's not going up north. That's driving around the corner, Duck. But I do like Shatek. Text here from Luda, who says, Matt LaFleur to Rhinelander Eagle River area. That's where you go to find God. <laughs> I'm going to retweet that. I've never been to Rhinelander or Eagle River. I am a north-northwest. I, I like to stay in and around 53, which is why I gravitate toward Barnes and Gordon, and those types of places, right up through Rice Lake, Solon Springs, Minong, all the way into Superior. I want to be able to drive right into the Lake Superior. Shoot all the way up, right up 53. So some more of these, like, north-central places, like Rhinelander. I've never been to Rhinelander. But if I need to find God, according to Luda, now I know where to go. Let's talk to Mike Clements. I really hope he's in the mood to complain about Joe Barry because I just, I got a hankering. Mike Clements will join us next. We're back in five minutes on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Rogers snaps it quick. Pressure coming. Scrambles to his right. Pumps and runs. And Rogers is inside the pylon. Touchdown, Packers. It's Rogers running for the score. Right on cue, Joe. He had some choice words there for the crowd. <laughs> Sometimes you black out on the field. <laughs> in, a good, in a good way. I looked up in the stands and in the front row, all I saw was a woman giving me the double bird. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly what came out of my mouth next. Oh, Mike, I tried to play music and my music lagged out. So that was very, <laughs> Mike, I'm sorry. That was a very anticlimactic intro. But I remember that moment well last year when Aaron Rodgers yelled at the fan. I still own you, and I thought, oh, man, like, that's cool. But I'm to the point now, Mike, where 
I'm ready to own something else. My goals are bigger and better than beating the Bears. But now a year later, if we could just beat the Bears, that'll be the one crowning achievement on our season. So now I'm all in yeah. owning the Bears. I'm back. It, it, it always is. Yeah. Um, one sure way to keep your job in the in the division, if you're a Packer or Bear head coach, is, is to you know beat each other. Yeah. Um, that's you know that's one thing you must do. Uh, so yeah, it's the game we're down in Soldier Field last year. And Rodgers can't find anybody who looks at it and he rolls right and he runs into the end zone. And he's greeted by, well, the first thing he saw was a woman giving him the double bird. Yeah. But then we had a picture, I actually had a picture of it, you know, I'm looking up in the stands. And there's, you know, there's like 20 or 30 people. I mean, they're small children giving him the bird. <laughs> That's how sports are supposed to work. I have no problem with yeah. that. In the south end zone, uh, I mean, the Bears fans get plenty obnoxious when the Packers are there. At Soldier Field, so um, I, you know, it's like, wow, we haven't been down there since that incident happened. So I asked Aaron about it yesterday at his locker. It's your first time back since you had that little confrontation in the South End Zone, <laughs> and some of the women and their gestures. I mean, is that another? And men too. Yeah, yeah, men too. <laughs> well, let's not blame everything on the women, okay? Come on. So, you know, you Start with the Bible, another, all right? Probably want to put another chapter in that. Playing it yeah, I've enjoyed the rivalry over the years and been a part of uh, a ton of these games. I think I've, you know, been in 18 years plus a playoff game. This is the 37th, uh, you know, I'll be a part of, and I've enjoyed all of them. It's a great rivalry. Been around for a long, long time. Happy to be on this side of it, um, but a lot of good memories at Soldier Field. You know, Mike, we quip a lot about Aaron Rodgers and. You know, sometimes what he does and sometimes their losses in the playoffs. But I'll never question his toughness, as a lot of people talked about on Sunday. And I will always appreciate how he appreciates what we appreciate as Packer fans, right? He buys into what it means to be a Packer and the rivalries and everything that goes with it. And I will always appreciate that about him. And playing hurt. Yeah. I mean, he he talked to us for 21 minutes yesterday. No one in the league talks that long, and I'm, maybe in any sport. I actually, you know what? I've got to ask one of my buddies that covers the Bucks if Giannis goes that long sometimes. Yeah, Favre used—I mean, hell, there sometimes Favre went forty-five minutes. But Aaron takes twenty, twenty-five questions and answers them. First of all, because he's smart and he's articulate. Yeah. But there's a lot of good information there. Uh, he challenges, you know, teammates. Sometimes he shouldn't. Maybe there's some things that he says that probably drive Lafleur nuts that he reveals, but. Whatever, we're just there to try and tell the story for the, with the fans, and we're not trying to give away you know state secrets for the team and, yeah. and keep them from winning games. But um, Rogers was limited in practice today, but he's going to play. He's going to play on Sunday, and so then I asked him this. You know, I'm thinking about that Eagles game, and and yet you came back and and you you know you were able to tie and actually have a small lead. Jordan Love flashed there for ten plays toward the end. The defense essentially was horrible because of all the yards they gave up to Jalen Hurts, record setting for that, 363 yards. That's the most that the Eagles have put on the ground since 1948, 500 yards total offense. And I'm just trying to put myself in Aaron Rodgers' shoes with some injuries um, that they've lost players for the rest of the season on defense. They're getting some guys back on offense. And you're standing there against one of the best teams, and already you're down 13 to nothing. And that happened against the Bills, 
you know, th- this is what happens in losing football when you're down by two touchdowns and it's not even the end of the first quarter. Yeah. So I asked them, what do you think when you look up at the scoreboard and the Eagles are up 13-zip? You know, or do you feel like here's as we get into December that at least your team is now better at getting back into these games? I mean, maybe. I think I always think in those situations there's a lot of time left, a lot of ball left. Um, you know, obviously, it, you know, maybe the urgency goes up a tad, but uh, we were able to put together a good drive and score, and then after Key had a nice return, and then fourth and one stop, and next thing you know is 14-13. So it's a whole different ball game. So a good reminder for us. You know, there's been certain games where we've only had three possessions in the first half, and I think we had three or four possessions in the first quarter. So we knew that game was kind of going to be like that, even though they ran the ball a bunch and ate some clock. Um, we're going to have opportunities to go down and score. I felt, you know, we felt good offensively, just the conversation, the huddle during the TV timeouts that, you know, they, they hadn't really stopped us. We'd only stopped ourselves with a couple of silly uh, plays by me. Um, so uh, we felt really confident, and, and I think that was good growth for us. But, you sure, it doesn't really matter if you're not winning. Well, and, Mike, the Eagles have shown this year, and the Packers would do this in Matt LaFleur's first year, too, and I've kind of tried to connect the two, like, hey, the Eagles and the Packers early on, like, the Packers in 2019 would look amazing and they'd get out to a 15 to nothing lead or 14 nothing lead or whatever. And then the offense would just shut off like a faucet, right? And the Eagles have shown a little bit this year. I've watched them. They get out to a 24 to nothing lead. They look unstoppable in the second quarter. And then they just don't score again. And I think the you league, these games move so quick, you got to be ready for that. To me, Grant, the 2019 first year LaFleur Packers and maybe even into 2020 now when you're into a, a COVID year, um, those teams, they kept the opponents down, and the Packers' offense um, didn't really blow teams out, but they got they scored first, and then they secured the football. And maybe they had some, you know, there were some times where they came out of the second half where they could have put teams away and ended up being close, but they still ended up winning 13 games, you know, a year, right? So, yeah. And, you know, and the problem with the team was it was all, pretty much the Devontae Adams show, you know, 30 completions or whatever, and then, oh, occasionally we'll run the football. There wasn't balance in that, except whenever LaFleur would get some of the misdirection plays going. Now there's so many problems, you know, I can't list. But I wanted to get to this next point. I think Joe Barry's done. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought – right before I had you on, Mike, before I took that break, I said, I hope Mike is in the mood to complain about Joe Barry because I'm so – I was well, reading some quotes from I, the know, press I, I'm not here to complain. I'm here to try to figure out what the hell is really going on okay. upstairs at the third floor at 1265 Lombardi. And, and, and one quick point about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, should, he, uh, should he really be playing against the Bears, or why don't they just let Jordan Love take out for the next five games? And the answer is they're not mathematically eliminated. When they're mathematically eliminated, there's absolutely no chance they can get in the playoffs. Then Rodgers will, will listen to sit down and say, okay, I see your point. Maybe we should let the kid – get some snaps in and whatnot. Or maybe I'll play the first half, yeah. et cetera. But Aaron Rodgers is here to play. It's my job, and and that you're going to have to deal with him. Uh, that's pretty much what's going on with the organization. Yeah. Now moving to the defensive coordinator. Um, when we used to talk to coaches, it wasn't so long ago. The Internet changed this. This is funny. Traditionally, when you cover a football team in the National Football League, and then you might get a day or two where after practice – if Joe Barry, defensive coordinator, or maybe the linebackers coach was coming off the field, hey, coach, you got a minute? Well, I'm kind of running late to a meeting. What is it you need? 
and you could just walk up to the guy. Mm-hmm. And then somebody from the staff, the PR staff, might say, hey, can you keep it to a minute because they're running late? Sure. But basically it was, it was that way. Then they changed it where when, the, when social media started coming in and things kind of could go across the world from anybody, whether you're in newspapers, TV, or radio, that they started having PR people hanging around. And these, these rendezvous were scheduled, but they're out in the hallway. But you're, they were casual one-on-one conversations. Now, when the TV cameras were there, you know, Dom Capers would say one thing. And then when those guys were away, and if I turned off my microphone, you know, it's mics down. You're just talking to the guy. Yeah. And then and he gives you a little bit more of a feeling like, hey, I really like this kid. Not everything's getting tweeted out right away. Well, what? No, there's a trust there. Yeah. Because, you know, what? it's basically saying, I think they're going in this direction. What, what I usually do is ask these coaches and say, here's what I see. Here's what I think. Would, would I be safe to assume that this is the truth mm-hmm. and they sometimes they'll just give you a nod yeah. and that's all you need to know that you're on the right path yeah i'll give you a quick thing that's going on with the offense right now there's a theory from tom silverstein who worked for the journal sentinel that aj Dillon does better when the quarterback is under center yeah because his his first step is not as fast as as aaron jones yeah so when you're in shotgun his first step is not as good. But if he's got two or three steps to run up and take the ball, mm-hmm. it seems like his runs are better when the quarterback's under under center. And LaFleur was asked that today on the podium on TV, you know, yeah. with streaming live and all that. And, you know, LaFleur's like, uh, let me get back to you on that, which means I don't want to answer that question on camera, dummy. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I, don't want, I don't want the Bears or their teams to know about that. Yeah. And then Joe Barry. Oh Matt LaFleur says, we're all in this together. I'm, I'm not singling out a coach. It's, it's players, it's coaches, it's me, ultimately. Uh, you know, on, but, but LaFleur has said two or three times, we had 22 missed tackles the other night. And then today LaFleur was even joking when somebody was asking about Keyshawn Nixon as a punt returner. He says, yeah, if we can ever get him the ball. Like, yeah. you know, it's like if we can ever get the defense off. Yeah. So Jer- Joe Barry was asked, uh, you know, uh, by a reporter, coach. I don't think I've ever seen a head coach say that a team had 22 missed tackles in a game like Sunday night against the Eagles. Yeah, no. I mean, there was a lot of. Uh, I don't know if I've ever played a game that there was 50 runs. You know, so. Um, but it was. Uh, it was. It was, and that's the thing. It wasn't. You know, one guy. It was. You know. Um, it was everybody, you know, missing one, two, three. Um, so it was just, it was, it was a bad deal. And, uh, you know, that, that's the, the only thing that I know to do and what we do as a coaching staff here is that, uh, you know, we got right back to the fundamentals and the, and the details of it. And uh, as we've talked about many times in here, um, both when we've been tackling well and, you know, when we have a poor performance tackling, you know, um, you just got to go back to the basics and the fundamentals in, in practice and in an individual. Um, as we've said, you know, you, you don't tackle live um, at any point during the year other than, you know, the games that you play. So um, we try to create those scenarios for guys as best we can, try to create drills that are as, as realistic, but, um, you know, you can't create anything realistic to, you know, tackling Jalen Hurts until, you know, you got to go tackle him. So 
Um, yeah, it was it was it was a bad deal, but you know we went back, right back to work uh, this week and working on the details, working on keeping leverage on the ball, um, getting as we talk about population to the ball, as many hats to the ball. Um, you know when you're dealing with a great player, if you do miss a tackle, you know you get that second, third, fourth, fifth guy there. Um, you know, just relentless effort to the ball. So, um, but yeah, it was it was it was a. a Bad display of tackling, no doubt about it. Mike, I want to go quickly because you got a couple other cuts. I want to make sure we get to as many as possible. When he said, well, I don't know if I've ever been a part of a, a game where there were 50 runs. Why do you think they exactly. waited 50 times, Joe? Exactly. Why, why are you always surprised by this stuff? Exactly. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, I, I'm not saying that this guy has to save his job by what he says in a press conference. but And, and if Bill Belichick says yes, no, whatever, but if Belichick the next week Belichick gets it fixed. Yeah. And then you ask for a follow-up and you get where he's going. Where, do you see anything being solved? And no. Did you, did you hear anything being solved there? How about this question today? He was asked, okay, Joe, let's put it this way. It's been a very disappointing season. Everybody thought this was going to be a Packers defense. They've spent, they've spent free agent money. They've spent draft picks on this. What could you have done better as a defensive coordinator this season? Here's the question and answer. When it goes this way for a defense with such high expectations, obviously a lot of responsibility, right or wrong, is put on the coordinator. We're not behind the scenes, but I'm curious what what you think have maybe been your shortcomings in this season or things that you might have done differently if you could go back and start the season again. Oh, I mean, I am a process-driven person. And one thing that you know about me is that it's, I'm, I'm all about consistency. Um, I'm going to show up exactly the same way every single day. Um, and I'm going to preach the things that I believe in. I'm going to bring energy every single day. Um, and the last thing that I'll ever do is second-guess anything. Um, of course, there's sometimes that, you know, definitely throughout a, a, a game, for example, you wish you have a specific callback. Um, but... As far as second guessing things, I'm not I'm not wired or built that way. Um, I believe in this group still. Um, I believe in our process, the way we prepare. Um, and sometimes, you know, in a process, the the results aren't going to be what you want. Um, and then you just got to go back to the drawing board, and you just got to work a little bit harder. You got to you know maybe stress a few things a little bit differently. Um, but as far as the, the the process and those things that I believe in. You know, that, that's never wavered with me. I understand that it, we can't always rely on results. You do have to look at the process, Mike, but the result has sucked every week. It's not like there's bad outlier results. It's, it's every week the results. Well, Mallow Floor will say that the players are in the right position pre-snap, so that's half the battle. Okay. But to me, to me, when you're having problems like this defense is having, I don't expect him to tell me what the answer is. and I expect him to hold that, but I'm not so sure he knows what the problem is. No. And if he, he can't even identify to the fans or to a bunch of reporters, you know, and I just give an idea what the problem is. So let's go over to special teams. Now, Rich Bisaccia had a good night with Keyshawn Nixon, five returns, 172 yards in kickoff returns. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there was the one that was bad, and you wondered why, well, why is he taking kicks out from five or six yards back in the end zone? Agreed. And he had the one that he kind of muffed. And so here's Bisaccia and LaFleur talking about why Keyshawn Nixon was large to start taking kickoffs five yards deep in the end zone. 
We do. We have some parameters going into the game. Now we got into that game, and you know we just felt like we were blocking, blocking them pretty good, and thought we could help set our offense uh, in that situation in that game. And so we kind of we moved the parameters back a little bit, you know, if you will. But it's a learning curve for him as well. You know, I think we lined up way over to the one side on one, and they dropped it in there over on the on the right. You know, so he's got to understand where to line up on on some of the different calls. But. Um, there are parameters going into the game. They can change as the game goes on. We had a lot of confidence going into it. I think Rich told me we were going to be aggressive, and I was, I, we were like, go for it. So, yeah, no, our, our our whole return unit did a great job of making their blocks and creating space, and then Keyshawn was, was hitting the right holes. And so hopefully we'll get continue to get not too many more opportunities, but, you know, one a game would be great. Mike, we got to move quickly to get these last cuts in, but I will say the Packers are a team that needs to find those little advantages in special teams. So they're a team that that almost needs to gamble a little bit on some kickoff returns because they're not that good. What you what what you heard there was, here's why we did it. Our double team blocks were working, yep. and frankly, yep. we decided to roll the dice on it. I'll, yep. I'll just one more one more quote here. Alan okay. Lazard on beating the Bears this weekend and what it means to him as a Packer. I think they're, they're super awesome, especially this one. The Packers-Bears is so historical, over 100 years. You know, the winner of this game will be the winningest franchise in NFL history. So there's a lot at stake. Um, you know, obviously there's still some hope for us and everything going into this game. Um, so we just got to go out there next. I also think it's easier to get fired up about this rivalry when you have nothing else to get fired up about. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I sure. mean, Mike? Like, sure. Iowa and Nebraska get amped up for that rivalry because they don't have anything else to get amped up about. Like, I and I love it, and I said at the beginning about Rodgers, I'll say the same about Lazard. I love that these guys embrace what it means to be a Packer and the history in this rivalry. That's really cool. And what the win-loss record is between the two teams. So, hey, Justin Fields, full participant in practice today. Oh, boy. You may see their number one quarterback Sunday at Soldier Field. It can't that be, kid plays with a lot of heart, doesn't he? Yeah, and it, it can't be worse than what happened last Sunday with Jalen Hurts, right? He had 106 yards in the first quarter. Is that how many he had? Uh-huh. I'm sure Joe Barry will have an explanation for it on Monday. Well, you know, we, we want to make sure the process stays in place. Well, and that's the difference, Mike. Like, we saw the difference. Rich or Rich Versace said, this week we saw this and did this. And Joe Barry's like, well, I do the same thing every day and I come in to prepare. It's like, okay, thanks. Thanks, Joe. When, when he got done today, Grant, I just said, this guy's gone. It's yeah. over. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. We need to, I said on Tuesday, deep clean. Everyone on the defensive staff, we just... A, not a fresh start. We need like a total 100% fresh start and do over because they just, they got to rebuild Probably. that from the ground up. Well, enjoy the game this weekend, Mike. I appreciate you and thank you for looping us in on what's going on with Joe Barry and Rogers injury and everything. I appreciate you. Thank you, Grant. Mike Clements. He's on Twitter at Mike Clemens NFL. Follow him. You can read his work. And of course you hear him on all of our shows. We get lots of Mike. He's always keeping us updated. Let's take one last break. Come back, wrap up the Wisco sports show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm looking at Twitter. I think this is real. Somebody who's an official legal insider for Odyssey Sports, CBS Sports Radio, and Fox Sports Radio. 48,000 followers verified. Antonio Brown is reportedly engaged in a standoff with police and has locked himself inside his home, refusing to turn himself in on an active arrest warrant for alleged battery. 
Police negotiators are trying to reason with Brown using a megaphone. Brown allegedly has guns in his house. Um, well, that doesn't go south. Jeez. Yeah, I thought when he threw something out his window and almost killed a toddler by a pool. I mean, I, I, sorry, I know Tom Brady was molding him and helping him mature, but I, I, at that point I was kind of out. This isn't totally surprising. Tomorrow, I don't know who will be on the show, but it'll be fun. I look forward to it. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.